Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. You know, I am from Wollongong. C3 believe in Wollongong. I've come back to my roots. I was living in New Zealand for a while, then the northern beaches of Sydney, where I had to be a little more proper. But now I'm back in the gong and um, I found my people a little rough around the edges, but hearts of gold. And um, I do feel at home here at Northwest. Um, I was telling uh, the service earlier this morning that um, I grew up in a, in a dairy farm or on a dairy farm and we would come every winter school holidays. Our neighbours had a property in Durai and so we'd come up and I haven't been here since I was about 12. So good to be home again, the hospitality and the love and the genuineness of the people. Thank you so much. And let's just take a moment to thank your incredible pastors, Pastor Bron and Pastor Daz, even though he's somewhere else tonight. Incredible people. And you are, um, you are many things, Pastor Bron, but you have been given a special assignment from heaven and you are a diplomat from for God's kingdom. And I see you navigating very treacherous terrain, but you're doing it with grace and wisdom and faith, and you are brave. Things that you thought you were gonna have to lay down, God is asking you to hold on and to keep persevering. You're navigating away, not just for yourself, but for many other people. So don't give up. It's the call of God on your life. He's gonna give you the, the wisdom and the strategies to unlock those doors that seem like they cannot be opened. But God is saying the time is now and the doors are gonna open and you've got the key that will unlock them. So let's give God some praise and let's honor your amazing pastors. Um, I just also wanna let you know that I've got some resource that's available and um, you know what I noticed about Pastor Daz last night we had dinner I hadn't met him before I met beautiful Bron a little while ago and we just connected immediately but Pastor um, Daz is a man's man and I thought oh my husband would love you he is a man's man he grew up in the South Island of New Zealand next stop Antarctica way more sheep than people but hunting fishing um, just kind of man's man. Do you know what I mean? Just the real thing. And um, what I love about that is, you know, there's a mantle of leadership upon men that needs to rise up and for men to actually understand their authority in Christ and the leadership anointing they have is incredible. But equally as important is women understanding who they are in Christ and the leadership mantle that we also carry the mantle of authority that we have, which is equal to men, different in some of its expressions, but equal. And, you know, there is an assignment that is really wanting to shut down what our true identity is and what it truly means to be a man and a woman. And so I wrote a book a little while ago. It's about female identity. It's about the life of Esther. There's lots of pictures in here, so it's not hardcore reading, but it does bring a revelation of, what can happen when we understand who we truly are? We will bravely just open our mouth and speak with wisdom and see salvation unlocked not only in our life and for our family, but for the generations to come. So I'd love you to get hold of that. We did sell out this morning, but we are taking orders. And if you let um, 
beautiful Vicky know, she will get your details and let her know if you'd like me to sign that and I will sign it before I send it to you. But let her know because I don't want to sign it. And you're like, why did she sign that? I didn't want that. But the other thing that we have are some beautiful gold-plated pendants. And I bought these as graduation gifts for um, girls. We, we minister to young women who've been rescued out of sex trafficking. Um, their ages are between three and 20. And with all of the resource invested into rescue, many of the girls, more than 80%, actually go back into um, sex work because the internal brokenness has never really been dealt with. And Jesus has a very special ministry with these young women. He came to heal broken hearts and to set captives free. And so over the course of four days, we take them on a retreat, do some work with them, and it's really the ministry of Christ that sets them free. But I bought these pendants um, for them as a graduation gift. They have Jeremiah 29, 11, God has given you a future and a hope. But I was just told by the host um, the rescue organization we're working with that I can't give them to the girls because of the number of suicide attempts they've had in that group and self-harm and so having something around their neck is not appropriate. And you know, the world is a very dark place when you don't have hope, right? So I thought I can't put a full stop on it like that. I've got to turn this around. So what we're doing, we have um, these pendants available and you can Buy it on behalf of the girl who would have received it. It's got the name of the girl. This is Sok Heng. She's 17 years old. And you can pray for her and pray for God's hope and his future for her life. So please have a look at those as well. You know, I was thinking about um, tonight and um, just thinking about my own childhood, like so many memories coming back to, to uh, Tamworth. And in my childhood, and I'm just going to do something I've read a lady should never do, which is tell her age. But let's face it, you know, I'm not much of a lady. A lot of the time I wear gum boots and track pants far too often. But um, I am 47 years old. I know it's sometimes I feel it. A lot of the time I feel like I'm 25. But the reason I'm telling you that is just so you can to give you a bit of context. Because when I grew up in primary school, everyone in my school went to scripture. So if you, uh, my age or even older, um, just raise your hand if you went to scripture in school. Most of us went to scripture or religious education. And the only um, question would be whether you went to the Church of England or the Protestant version or the Roman Catholic version. And in scripture, my scripture teacher was a woman called Gertrude Russell. She taught us all the way through every class. She was an amazing woman. She's still alive, which blows my mind because I thought she was 100 back then when I was like five. But we all went and she loved to sing. And so the beauty of that was that every child, whether they grew up in a Christian family or not, grew up learning the songs of the day, classics like... Joy is the flag flown high. Come on, join in. From There we go. From the castle of my heart. From the castle of my heart. Joy is the flag flown high. From the castle of my heart. For the king is in residence there. Come on, we need to bring this back. Actions in songs. And the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 
The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. Yay! Come on, well done. So I grew up with the privilege of knowing from my earliest childhood memories all about God, knowing the creation story, knowing about Noah, knowing the true meaning of Christmas, that it was in addition to receiving presents, celebrating the arrival of Jesus Christ in the manger with the wise men and the frankincense and the myrrh. I grew up knowing and all of my friends and all of my peers what Easter was really about, that Jesus Christ paid the price for the sin of mankind and he didn't just die, but he rose again in victory. I and all of my friends knew those stories. But what is becoming increasingly apparent and demonstrated in society is that the generations, probably since I was brought up, are brought up without any understanding and knowledge of God, with no understanding and knowledge of what the Bible really says. It means that we're a little bit vulnerable. And I was thinking about this, you know, no wonder there is so much confusion in the world. We've been created in the image and likeness of God. How can we ever understand our own identity if we know nothing about the identity of the God in whose image we've been created? How can we know anything about our own value and how to navigate relationships if we've grown up without any knowledge of the values and the principles of God's kingdom? And that presents us with an incredible opportunity. Because today, increasingly, there are people around us who have no knowledge of God, never really heard the name of Jesus unless it's some kind of kind of swear word situation. But friend, just because they do not know God does not mean that God does not know them. He knows them. Just because they don't know the power of the name of Jesus Christ, it does not mean that he does not know their name and have a purpose for their life and the power to heal them and to set them free. And friend, the truth is that their connection with Jesus Christ actually begins with their connection with us. And there's a story in the Bible that we're going to look at. It's from the book of Ruth. And I've called this the the culture of connection, because this is a situation just like the, the situation that we are living in today. See, the background to the book of Ruth is that there was a woman named Naomi, and she was an Israelite. She came upon hard times with her husband, so she left Israel. She went to a place called Moab. While she was there, she had her two sons, sons with her. The sons married but eventually her husband passed away, the two boys passed away. And so she's left with these daughter-in-laws who've grown up in Moab, who know nothing about Israel, the culture of God's kingdom. And what comes to play in this story is that her daughter-in-law, Ruth, accompanies her back to Israel. Not only does Ruth connect with a divine purpose she never saw coming, 
But she, this woman who grows up in a void, a vacuum of godly understanding and principles and culture, actually becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus Christ. Not just some religious or theological link to him, but a direct personal connection with Jesus Christ. And it all began with her relationship with Naomi. And so we're going to have a look at the book of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 16. And this is like the opening scene of this book. We've got the daughters-in-law clinging to Naomi, their mother-in-law saying, we're not going to leave. Naomi is kicking some serious mother-in-law goals, right? I will be a mother-in-law in the future sometime. I prophesy that. And I hope that I can do as well as Ruth and connect with my daughter-in-laws the same way. And Ruth is pledging her allegiance and loyalty to Naomi. She says, do not ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. When I read this, I wondered, you know, what was it about Naomi that inspired such loyalty and commitment from her daughter-in-law? Because you know what, my mother-in-law is a really great lady. She's wonderful and I do love her with all sincerity. But if Andrew passes away, I'm just going to let you know I am not moving to Gore in New Zealand and converting to Roman Catholicism. Are you with me, right? Cashing in the life insurance policy, taking a lot. No, I'm, I'm committed to the house of God. I'm staying in Wollongong and loving the people. That's what I'm doing. But this is quite remarkable. And when I read this, I was thinking, what was it about this woman that had her daughter-in-law clinging to her? I scoured that story. And do you know the only clue is told in verse 20. She says, please don't call me by my true name anymore. My, my name, Naomi, because that means pleasant. You know what? Because I don't feel a bit pleasant right now. I feel a little bit more like Mara. I feel a bit bitter. And that was the only clue, the only thing that I could see why these women wanted to be with Naomi was that she was pleasant. Maybe she didn't feel pleasant all the time, but that was her name, that was her identity. And so the first thing that we need to understand, and it just takes so much pressure off, if we are going to connect people to Jesus Christ, all we need to do is be pleasant. That's it easy, right? You know, for the first time when I read this, I thought, okay, I can be a pastor. Pastoring is accessible to me because I can do that. I can't be like a fashion icon or an Instagram queen or an incredible blogger or I don't know, all these things that I thought pastors had to be, but I can be pleasant. I can be a nice person. I can be kind, hospitable, agreeable. That's what pleasant is. You know, maybe that thought of evangelism, I've got to connect people to Jesus. You think you've got to go out street witnessing or something. Friend, that is not what it's about. Just be pleasant. You know, there is a word that has really infiltrated our culture and in particular church culture. And that word is awesome. Does anyone say that at least five times a day? Like, awesome, I'm awesome. Everything is awesome. I blame the Lego movie. 
But also, you know, when you think about how that has come across into church culture, you know what? God is awesome. It's understandable. He will always be awesome. He will steal the show continually. And people, well, we have our moments, right? We have moments of greatness. We can do some good stuff. And we're attracted to gift. We're attracted to charisma and all of that kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But none of us can sustain stand-up comedy and jazz hands 24-7, right? We are not awesome 24-7. And the truth is that if we are trying to be awesome all the time, it leads to the opposite of being pleasant. It means that we're volatile, the pressure of that, insecure. And if I am trying to impress you with my awesomeness, really it makes it hard to connect with you because I'm focusing on who I am and trying to impress you and, and I've got a missed opportunity then of actually knowing you and understanding and connecting with you. We need to take the pressure off each other. You know, um, there's a woman in my life and she really demonstrated this to me. Just like Naomi was to Ruth, she connected me with a greater level of understanding of who Christ is and she also connected me with purpose. Her name is Anne Morrow. If I can just have her image on the screen and bear with me, it's not a good image. It's taken a long time ago. But um, when I married Andrew, he was a youth pastor, an awesome youth pastor at an awesome church in Christchurch. I'd only been a Christian for a year when I married him and moved to Christchurch. And um, the church was very well known and there was a lot of expectation, I suppose, on Andrew and what he would do. And I was not the first choice for the youth pastor's wife. And so when I arrived there, a lady came to me on about my second day and she said, Janine, Andrew marrying you was a mistake. Um, this marriage will not last and you will be his downfall. You, you can mark my words. And I'm just telling you to your face what everyone else has been saying behind your back. Brutal, right? I know. Welcome. <laughs> and I just remember just feeling so uh, like I could never be in ministry for so many reasons, but just to top it off, like that is a good reason right there. And Anne Morrow, she and her husband had actually started the church about 20 years before. Her husband, um, they passed it on but to another leader, but they were still part of the church. She asked me if I would have lunch with her and I was so nervous. I sat there at lunch and I didn't eat a thing because I thought, okay, she's going to yell at me. And the whole time she just made this lighthearted conversation and was asking me question about, questions about myself and she never yelled at me. And at the end of our lunch, she said, you know, how about I take you out for coffee sometime? And I was like, okay. I went home and I said to Andrew, um, she didn't yell at me. Like the whole hour, I didn't eat a thing because I was waiting for her to yell at me. But she didn't yell at me. She did ask me out for coffee. Maybe that's when she's going to yell at me. And Andrew was like, Janine, maybe she's not going to yell at you. <laughs> maybe she just wants to get to know you. We had coffee. She didn't yell at me. She was just a really lovely person. A few months into our marriage, um, I thought, you know what, I just don't want to have what it takes. I wanted to remain married to Andrew. I loved him, but I just 
knew I, I didn't have what it took to be married to a pastor. So I called my boss in Sydney. I was like, Max, I'm coming home. Is there a job for me? I called Qantas. I had it all worked out. Andrew could come with me if he wanted to, by the way. I just want to put that out there. I wasn't leaving him. I was just leaving the situation I didn't know how to deal with. But on the way home, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go see Anne Morrow. For the one reason, she was nice to me. That's it. I drove to her home, she made me a cup of tea and then I just shared with her and she didn't ever tell me what to do. She just said, you know what, God's got to call on your life as well as Andrew and I believe that he's going to talk with you and I trust that you're going to make the right decision. But Janine, if you choose to stay, I want to meet with you. I'll meet with you once a week. Why don't we get together every Friday? And I was like, okay, like, you're nice. I'm going to stick around. I can't meet with you every Friday if I'm not in the same country as you, right? So every Friday after work, I would go to her home and she would just pray with me and we'd chat. And just step by step, she just began to really connect with me and speak into my life. You know, the thing that I love about Anne, there are just so many wonderful things. She was an incredibly anointed pastor and gifted minister. Her husband had been, they'd ministered in the inner city of Christ Church and one night some uh, people with mental illnesses that they'd been ministering to came to their house, burst in, attacked her husband. The result of that was that he had dementia from some of the injuries he sustained. She never tried to hide any of that from me. Her husband, such a beautiful man, was always kind. He was there. Sometimes we'd have to get up from our meetings. He would have escaped. We'd have to go get him and bring him home. Her life was not awesome. She didn't try and pretend that it was awesome. She didn't apologize for it. She didn't minimize it. It was what it was. And you know, in our lives, things are not always awesome. And what Anne showed me is that it's possible to live through unawesome seasons with dignity and with proximity to Christ. And, you know, what I was thinking about says in the Word of God, Jesus said, do not leave this place until my spirit comes upon you. He gathered his disciples together and he says, it's better that I go. Because unless I go, then the Holy Spirit won't come. But when he comes... He's going to come upon you and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, in Judea and to the ends of the earth. And you know, that is our distinctive as Pentecostal churches. Come on, ACC Church, we believe that the Holy Spirit was not just for the book of Acts. He was for now. That what happened in Acts, that 3,000 were added to their number in one day. Well, that's going to happen here in Tamworth, in Armadale, in the whole New England region. Like, why would it not happen today? Our point of difference as Pentecostal churches is we believe in the power of God's Holy Spirit. But do you know what it says? That the fruit of God's Spirit, the evidence and demonstration that God's Spirit is in us is from the book of Galatians. It says this that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Friend, when I read these um, evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in our life, I don't read anything about any kind of upfront gifting or ministry showmanship. What I read about are character and the way that we interact and connect with other people. That is how we are going to win people to Christ and connect them with the Savior who loves them and who has a plan and a purpose for their life. Friend, the reason that Ruth felt so safe with Naomi is because she was that trusted friend. You know, not every uh, thought needs to be expressed. Not every criticism needs to be said. Not every feeling needs to be um, demonstrated. Self-control, kindness, patience, gentleness, doing the journey with someone. And her connection, Ruth's connection with Naomi connected um, Ruth to Jesus and Ruth to her purpose. The same way I connected with this beautiful woman, Anne Morrow. She connected me to a greater understanding of Christ. She connected me to my purpose to ministry. She showed me what it really was, loving people the way that God loves and cares for people. Do you know the next thing that we can see from the life of Naomi throughout this story of Ruth is that she was inclusive. And you know, there is another word that's really influenced uh, culture at the moment, and that word is tolerance. We need to tolerate things. But you know, I just cannot buy into that. I'm going to call it a lie. Maybe that's too strong a word of tolerance. You know, I don't believe that we should tolerate things that the Word of God says right now are intolerable, in the past have been intolerable, and in the future will always be intolerable. Tolerable. (laughs) We are not called to tolerate things that are intolerable. And any agenda that would diminish a human life to a desire or a feeling or one element of, of their identity It is not something that we should tolerate. That is not who we are. Naomi did not tolerate Moabite culture. But what she did for Ruth was something so much more powerful. She included her in the wonderfully redemptive power of God's culture, the culture of his kingdom. See, this is quite profound Ruth, the book of Ruth, it's named after Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. Yet you read through this book, you will find no clue or indication of what Moabite culture is like. This is not a study in Moabite culture. The reason is Naomi didn't tolerate and include and bring Moabite culture along for the journey. What you will see revealed through the book of Ruth is an incredible revelation of the powerful culture of God's kingdom. She took Ruth on the journey with her and along the way she revealed this amazing culture. You know, I did a little bit of study about the place Moab, the people of Moab, and they originated in the book of Genesis when Lot the nephew of Abraham and his family escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah. And God burnt those cities because of the sin in them. But because of Lot's relationship with Abraham, God spared him. His daughters, his wife, they fled. 
And as they were fleeing, you might know the story, Lot's wife looked back, she became a pillar of salt. But his daughters got a little bit scared. They wondered, can I really trust God? Is God true to his word? I mean, I know he said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and it is burning behind me. And he said, don't look back. And mum looked back, and now she's a pillar of salt. But can I take him at his word? Can I trust him? I don't know. She had a bit of a, a wobble, and I really want to have kids. And so in her own strength, she comes up with this idea, I'm going to get dad drunk and sleep with him. Can I just say, oh, my gosh. Like, what the heck? That is messed up. Janine Kabbalah, the unawesome human that I am, thinks that is messed up. That is so messed up. Janine, the pastor, would say, well, she's clearly got some damaged belief systems that are resulting in some very destructive behaviors. Like, seriously. The result of that union, that time when Lot's daughter thought that she would get a dad drunk and seduce him, the, the, were the, or the um, sorry, I've got to get this the right way, what originated from that union was the people of Moab. So now generations later, we've got a people group and a culture based on damaged belief systems that are engaging in some very destructive behaviours. There was a reason that Naomi did not tolerate those behaviours, but instead included Ruth in a new set of behaviours and a new way of thinking and a new culture. Not because she felt superior, not because she was trying to disparage the way somebody else lived, but she knew there was no benefit. There was no future for Ruth there. If you do a little bit of investigating on your own, you'll see the culture of that place would have resulted if, if Ruth ended up staying there in prostitution. Any children that were birthed through that activity would have led lives of generational bondage and servitude. Naomi loved Ruth. So she included her in God's kingdom, in his values. And you know, there is no other culture in the world that has the values of God's kingdom and his culture. A culture that has provisions for caring for refugees and foreigners. A culture that had provisions for dealing with and caring for and protecting widows and orphans. A culture that went out of its way to care for the sick. And there is no one in our world that does not need to be included in this culture, a culture that says there is provision for you, there is protection for you, and even greater than that, there is a story of redemption for you. You can be redeemed. Those broken, hurting places in your life don't have to be covered up, swept under the carpet. I've got a plan for your redemption. What I love about this story, when you read about the interaction of Ruth and Naomi, they had some pretty strong conversations. You know, eventually Naomi gets to the place where she's telling Ruth to put on some nice clothes and sneak into the threshing field area and to sleep at the feet of Boaz. Like that's a pretty awkward conversation to have with someone, right? But that was not the first conversation they had. You know, we are living in a society with people who are not living according to the principles and values of God's kingdom. 
not because they're bad people, not because they're opposed to God. They simply do not know about Him and they simply do not know these values that are gonna ensure their provision and their protection. And what we see unfolding in this relationship is that Naomi brings things up with Ruth out of relationship and trust and out of relevance. It's not about winning arguments. Unless you're in a relationship with someone and unless the motive actually is love and you've got a strong enough relationship, what's the benefit? Sometimes we are gonna have strong conversations with people. But what I've come to realize is that the strength of our relationships must always be stronger than our conversations. If I can have the worship team come back, that would really help me out. You know, we need to not be scared about the values of God's kingdom. They are life-giving. They are freedom. They bring dignity to every human life. Naomi was not embarrassed. She was not tentative about sharing God's kingdom and his values with Ruth because she loved Ruth and she knew who God was. And we see woven into this story a remarkable, breathtaking um, story of redemption. Friend, there are people in your life right now living outside of the principles of God's kingdom and he loves them. He's got a comeback redemption story for them. And it begins with you just taking the time to include them in the journey, step by step, gently, with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Don't get in arguments with people, but just love them and bring them along the journey. Where, where were you tonight? I was at church. It was amazing. We don't have to be ashamed or tentative. This is the best news any person can ever hear. Do you know, we also see in this story is that Naomi really understood the value of one. And she didn't just minimize or dismiss the ones in her world. And it always begins with one. When you read the Bible, it's all about the ones. Do you know when Jesus spoke about His Father and brought revelation in the, who His Father was and, and what was important to His Father's heart, He always spoke about ones. One lost sheep, one lost coin, one pearl of great price. Let me tell you, there is more celebrating in heaven if one of these will come back. God's heart is for everyone. The story of Ruth and Naomi begins with a bit of a crowd. See, Naomi travels to Moab with her husband and her two sons. How many people is that? Well, if we don't include, include Naomi, there's three, right? And then there's two daughters-in-law. Okay, five. But then the husband dies and then the sons die and then one daughter-in-law leaves and then there's just one. And Naomi did not allow her grief and discouragement of all the crowd, all the ones that left and were taken from her, from investing into and understanding the significance of the one who God had placed in her worldview, who was connected with her. You know, the world does not celebrate ones, but God celebrates everyone. That is what His heart is, everyone. There are ones in your life that Pastor Daz and 
Pastor Bronnie are never gonna connect with, but you're connected with them. Do not underestimate the impact of those people. You know you're the bridge to their culture. You're the invitation that's gonna make the difference. You're the voice that's gonna bring hope. You're the one that's gonna pray and see things transformed in the heavenly realm that will then become a reality here on earth. God trusts you. It's not the lowest level of ministry, it's the highest level of ministry. God trusts you, He's chosen you. You know, what I love about this story, it shows us that there's always a way back to God whether we start outside His kingdom or whether we're inside and we step outside of His kingdom, there is always a way back to Him. You know, maybe you're here and you've been engaging in some destructive behaviours because you've had some very damaged belief systems, not because you're a bad person, not because you're trying to bring harm into the world, but because you didn't actually know that there was a God in heaven whose image you've been created in, who loves you beyond your comprehension and who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for all our bad choices and to redeem and restore us. And tonight, I'm gonna give you the opportunity, just like Naomi gave to Ruth, to know Him personally. He doesn't want just to, for you to have a, a, a knowledge that God is real and you know there's something spiritual out there. He wants you in direct personal relationship with Him. You are important to Him. And there are other people here. And perhaps like Naomi, you've known about God and you've been in relationship with Him, but you've come upon hard times. You thought actually it's gonna be a little bit easier outside of God's kingdom than inside of God's kingdom. And in that place, you've hit hard times. But you know, for Naomi, it was one choice. She remembered who God was. She remembered the favour and the blessing and the breakthrough that could come from His Word. So one choice to go back changed everything, not just for her, but for her children and her children's children. Friends, the truth is it does not matter what we do. It doesn't matter what's happened to us. It doesn't matter how far away from God we can run. All it ever takes to come back to Him is one word, and that word is Jesus Christ. So right now, if I can have every person bow your head and close your eyes, and I'm gonna pray with you. Because there are people here, and like Ruth, you did not know this news that is just too good to be true that God loves you, He's chosen you. He knows your name, He's got a plan for your life that is beyond your comprehension and He sent His Son to redeem you. There are other people here and you've once known God intimately. You've known Him personally, but for whatever reason, the worries and cares of life, maybe it's another relationship, a controlling behaviour, maybe you got hurt and offended. Whatever it is, you know that you have left and right now you know that you need to make the same choice that Naomi made and come back to Him. And friend, let me tell you, this moment is not just for you, but it's for your children and the generations to come. So every head bowed and all eyes closed, I want you to consider this question. Is Jesus Christ number one in my heart? Is He the Lord of my life? Do I have a direct personal relationship with Him? And friends, you know what? I grew up in church, I've always known about God, I knew the name Jesus, but I did not know Christ personally. 
And because of that, my world got messed up. So this question is not, do I believe in God? Am I a good person? Do I attend church? It simply is Christ number one in my heart. And God is gonna begin speaking with you straight away. He loves you. You might feel a little emotional. You might feel your heart racing. You might feel none of those things at all, but just know, you know what? Now is the time. God has chosen you and right now is your moment to choose Him. So if you cannot honestly answer yes to that question, that Jesus Christ is not number one in your heart and you'd like Him to come into your heart, I want you to raise your hand. If He's once been number one, but right now, if you're honest, He's not number one. And if you'd like to make Him number one again, I'd like you to raise your hand. Or if you would like an assurance of your eternity that it's gonna be in heaven with the God who loves you beyond your comprehension, I'd like you to raise your hand. So just on the count of three, wherever you're seated, head bowed and eyes closed, we're gonna just respect people's privacy, but on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift it nice and high, I'll see it. You can put it back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, sweetheart. Over here, just lift those hands nice and high. I'll see them, then you can put it down. You know you cannot leave this place the way that you entered. Your whole life can change and all you have to do is raise your hand and say, you know what, Jesus, I choose you. Sweetheart, I see you. Anyone else saying that to me? All right, friends, what we're gonna do, would you just look up at me in this moment? Thank you so much, Northwest Church. You guys are amazing. Would, would you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray a prayer. This is a salvation prayer. We're gonna pray this together as a family, but we're praying it to God. And friend, you need to know that this is the moment that heaven celebrates. It's changing not only your life, but your eternity. So let's bow our head one more time. I'm gonna pray a line, you pray this after me. Dear God, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, I believe that You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God and You're my Saviour. Come into my heart, forgive me, be the Lord of my life. Help me to live every day in Your presence. Jesus, thank You that I am saved. I'm gonna pray for you really quickly now. Lord, I thank You for every man and woman who raised their hand in that moment. Jesus, I thank You that the power of sin and death is broken off their lives once and for all. Lord, this is a new day. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are holding them in the palm of Your hand and nothing can separate them from the love of God that is found in You. And I declare freedom over their lives in Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.